You're listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Ells, COO, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. We are here to provide you with a vital lifeline to executive advice that you've never heard before. We have the tools, the resources, and the tactics to help you reach the next level. Whether you're just starting out or have been in business for decades, Listen in for exclusive tips and content to suit your needs. Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average CEO Lifeline. This week, we get to focus on not one, but two amazing guest speakers. We have Beth and Paige. They are co-founders of We Recruit Well, a boutique recruiting agency specializing in the remote and hybrid workplace for small businesses, nonprofits, and entrepreneurs. We are so excited to have both of them here today. So Paige and Beth, welcome to the show. Paige and Beth, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate you joining on our podcast. To start off, we'd love to hear a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, sure. So I'm Paige and um, thank you so much for having us. Beth and I met actually about 20 years ago now. We started out as teachers. Um, I actually taught Beth's children. Both of her girls were in different classes that I taught over the years. And we eventually got out of teaching about the same time. Uh, We had husbands who both travel for their jobs and we knew there had to be something that gave us a lot more flexibility than a school calendar year. So (laughs) we found the, the world of virtual assisting and we started serving clients and working as virtual assistants. I was hired on with a virtual assistant company as a recruiter, hiring their contractors and doing that recruiting for them. And then eventually Beth came on with that same company as a relationship manager, working to kind of navigate the relationships between um, the assistants and our, and the clients. Both of us worked there for, you know, like I said, about five years Mm -hmm. and we learned a lot, an, an awful lot about, you know, being virtual assistants, recruiting, being in that remote workspace. But we also learned a lot about the back end, how to run things, how to do things. We had our own ideas and we knew there had to be a better way to do this out there. So we started our own company, started We Recruit Well, and um, I'm going to let Beth add anything else in there that she thinks I left out because I usually do. (laughs) I'm Beth and um, thanks so much for having us. I agree. Uh, Paige did a great job of telling about our rather unique background um, and we really love what we do. It's uh, it's been exciting watching the, the world of uh, remote and virtual kind of explode in the last few years. And we were on the front end of that. So that kind of gave us a leg up. And it's exciting to see what's happening right now. Yeah, absolutely. And so talking about right now, since you are both experts in recruiting, what is your opinion on the current state of recruiting that's happening right now in the industry and what issues are arising? Yeah, those are those are great questions. Um, was very easily answered, I would say, about two years ago. And then COVID hit, and it honestly has become, it's all over the place. COVID slowed everything down. I think it slowed recruiting down. It it slowed the virtual, already in place virtual world down. I think with us being in that virtual space, 
we, you know, we were already there. We already had a leg up. We already knew how to work remotely, work virtually. So it, that wasn't our hiccup, but hiring came to it, to a halt for our industry that, that halted a couple months and then hiring just took off because people realized we need people in the remote workspace. So we got really busy. Then, you know, they put in into place all kinds of measures to help people who weren't working and that made finding candidates difficult. I'm sure you guys remember the housing market during COVID. You couldn't find a house. Yeah. If you were looking for one, you, you couldn't find a car, even if you were looking for one. And that's how it became finding candidates through COVID. Finding a candidate was difficult and then holding on to that candidate was hard. So, you know, we kind of had to train clients to, you got to rethink, you got, you got to pause, you got to rethink everything. Now, currently, you know, here we are, we're on the, the, the end of COVID. We're coming out of it. And Hiring has now slowed back down and the candidate situation, we haven't found that to get much better. It's not getting much better yet. So we're still, you know, we're struggling now to, to convince people, Hey, if you need somebody, you got to hire, you got to spend that money. You got to spend that time. You've got to get the people in on your team so that you can keep growing. But at the same time, we're still working in that hectic market of, okay, we've got a live one. You've got to move fast. So and it's just, I think, I don't think we're at the end of that yet. I think we're mm-hmm. still in that state where we've got to be able to pivot very quickly when things just change overnight. You know, Paige, I also think one of the things we've seen is that it's not always about just offering a great candidate more money, because quite honestly, that's may not be an option. However, there, we talk to our, our clients all the time about What can you offer? Can you be more flexible? Can you have more remote possibilities? What is your culture like? How are are you investing in your your team members? And what can you do to hang on to these people once we get them in your door? So those things are important as well. Do you find that that's been a lot more important in the past few years? Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. And and really coaching people about that, it has been key to us being successful and them finding the right fit for their team. Yeah. Yeah. I think 20 years ago, um, if you were changing companies and you'd built up three or four weeks, five weeks of PTO, you were going to lose that. If you switch companies, you were going to go back to two and you were starting over. And now what we tell our clients is that, you know, that's a, that's a negotiating tool now. If you've got a great candidate and they're coming in, they're asking for four weeks vacation, that's nothing. Give them four weeks if you like them. They, they have to think outside the box now. Yes. And so you may know we've always worked remotely even you know before COVID. And of course, po- in a post-COVID world, there's been a lot more talk about remote teams. And so do you find that there's a difference in recruiting for remote teams rather than in office teams? And um, what advice do you have specifically when you're recruiting for a remote team? You know, I think that what we we preach all the time is flexibility. Remote working does not look the same for every single business. And every single entrepreneur, CEO, leader needs to listen to your people and then create that remote working policy that works for your team. We strongly advise that it be a written policy. We, we recently worked with a company who had never hired anybody that was this particular person was going to be hybrid. And uh, we we said, look, what, you know, what is your remote working policy? Oh, we don't have one. And we found out, you know what, there are great articles out there. I mean, Google is your best friend. Go out there and Google them. Read about what other people are doing with remote work policies. 
pull from what is what would be best for your company, put that remote work policy in writing, make sure it's short and sweet, but very clear. Everyone understands what's expected of them. And we've seen it work beautifully. So really just knowing what your team needs, get it in writing and be flexible. Those are really the keys, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. I would also agree that you know, convincing companies now coming, you know, on the back end, coming out of COVID, convincing them that remote work is here to stay and showing them how it can benefit them also helps, especially, you know, there are some companies who aren't going back to work. Um, my daughter-in-law, for example, works for Georgia Power, and that is an old company. It's been around forever. And they're, they're in person, always were, always had been, never thought about it. COVID hit and they recognized you know, we have this high rise down in downtown Atlanta that we don't need. We don't need half this space now. So those companies are rethinking, you know, that that remote work policy. And they're finding out that their employees are just as productive at home as they were in the office. When we're talking about, you know, working remotely and, and recruiting remotely, what are some cutting edge applications or tech tools that you guys have found uh, most effective? Um, one of my favorite ones is Airtable. I uh, don't know if you guys have used it, but Airtable, yeah. even on the free version, is phenomenal. You can use Airtable for years for free. It's got a lot of bells and whistles that you can pay for. It's not that expensive if you do want to pay for it, but it, it is just, I like to call it, it's an Excel sheet on steroids because it does so much. You can automate it. I mean, all kinds of different things. Some of the other CRMs that we have come across that we really like is, we like Zoho and Zoho One because it's pretty much an all-in-one CRM and you get bookkeeping, you get, um, you can have social media posting, um, project, you know, project management, task management, um, it, it integrates with Zoom. It's got an applicant tracking system. It's just unbelievable what Zoho does. Some of the other ones that, that you know, most people use are Slack, Asana, Zoom, you know, Zoom, Google Workspace. Um, Dropbox, the list is really, it, it's endless. And my advice for those, those applications and, and your tech stack is to, you know, what do you need? What does your business need? What's the bare minimum? What can you afford? Because there's something out there at every level that you can find for your needs. And you also have to be willing to pivot and change and find a new one if something's not working. I'd want to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, you both being CEOs and entrepreneurs, because I'm sure you have incredible advice for our audience just listening to your backgrounds. So can you guys talk to us a little bit about what advice you'd have for an entrepreneur or a CEO just starting out that you feel is imperative for them to know? You know, I believe that, um, you know, there's no cookie cutter process for any business because we are teachers. And, and if you follow us on social media, you know that we're always throwing out a new book or a new author, something we're reading that uh, really piques our interest. We say, read, read, and then read some more. We love Patrick Lencioni. We think his business model is amazing, but there are tons of other business leaders out there who have great, great advice. Just go through book lists, start reading, Find out what doesn't work so that you can avoid those pitfalls, but also find out what does work across the board for many new businesses and, and then start to implement those things. However, I do believe that our most essential advice is to hire an assistant or hire an office manager long before you start 
to drown. You want someone who can take those day-to-day -day tasks off your plate because you need to be able to focus on hiring and growing your business, building your business. And I, I think what we hear a lot of times people come to us and say, well, I, I want to hire, you know, I want to hire someone to help me, but I really can't afford it. Well, what we tell them all the time is you can't afford not to hire an assistant because what it's going to free you up to do is, is really going to help you explode your business growth. I, I agree, Beth. I, I like to tell others that you have to know your skill set as well. So if your skill set may not be those day-to-day -day tasks and your skill set is strategizing and being that visionary, doing those day-to-day -day is just going to bog you down and it may not even be your strong suit. You are exactly right. You have hit the nail on the head. And and we say it every time we get on a sales call. Uh, so you, you're, you're singing our song. <laughs> I like your song. <laughs> How can a remote team member teach someone to delegate trust and scale their business, right? If they're not um, in person, if they are not used to this, we're, like we're talking about, they don't really have the skill set. You know, how do we delegate? How do we trust and scale? Um, I would I would start out with baby steps, and the first one is you've got to get that you've got to get that leader, you've got to get that that team member to trust you, and by just showing up, by always being there, being on time, being responsive, that's the start. Um, that's the type of candidate that we look for. We look for somebody who's tech savvy, who is enough of a, of a driver or a gatekeeper that they can, they can do both. They can be a, a gentle driver and a gentle gatekeeper. They're kind, they're considerate. They're going to get things done. They're going to tackle what they're given quickly and effectively. And it's, it, they're going to turn in good work. When they do that, it proves to that you know, leader who's not quite sure how to do this, that, oh, they can do it. Then they're going to trust them more. But we've got all kinds of tools that we can offer our clients and their team members that can help them take things off that leader's plate and teach them how to delegate. One of them is simple. It's three steps to a clean plate. And it's basically making a list. What do you like to do? What don't you like to do? And, and what do you hope to never, ever do again? They make those lists and then they just start handing it off to that person. Just through that exercise, the assistant or the other team member is able to show that leader how to form those thoughts and how to get it onto paper. And then they're able to see, well, here's everything I can take. And then I can also do this and this and this. I really like that list idea. I think a lot of people have trouble starting, right? Where do I start? What do I do? Right? Those baby yeah. steps, like you said, are imperative. Yep. So how do you feel you guys became not your average CEO? And I'm putting my air quotes up. <laughs> I, I like your air quotes. Thank I, you. <laughs> we're definitely not average CEOs. I, I think yes. because we were assistants to start with, uh, we worked for tons of different businesses, lots of amazing entrepreneurs. And so we had that up close, that personal view of some really great and then also some really not so great leaders. That really helped us kind of pick and choose what was going to work for our business. I kind of equated a little bit to um, deciding what kind of parenting style you're going to use. My husband and I were actually became parents a little bit later in life. It really gave us several years to observe different parenting styles. It helped us kind of hone our own style of how we were going to raise our girls. And I, I think that is very similar to what Paige and I did. We started talking about, well, you know, the guy I'm working for, the woman that I'm working with is doing this, that, and the other. Isn't that amazing? Or wow, I would never do that. 
And we started to take the good that we had learned. And then we threw out the not so good things. We added our own thoughts and ideas and came up with a way to do recruiting in a new and fresh way that I don't think anybody else is really doing out there. And um, so it's, it's helped us kind of be out, think outside the box and uh, to, to learn and grow. I can definitely relate to having two girls now later in life. I really enjoyed that example and it hit home for me that you had the time to look and see and equating it in business is a, a really nice comparison. Do you guys have a last few pieces or last piece of advice on remote teams and recruiting that you feel our audience needs to hear from you? Building a remote team is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. You don't just decide up. We're going to be remote and the next day everybody's happy and everything's working great. Uh, You have to be patient again. It's not easy. Uh, Once it's there, it's worth all that work that you and your team put in. I would say there's three things that are super important and often overlooked. Uh, The first thing is your team culture. Uh, Make sure it's healthy. Make sure it's positive and make sure it's fun. Uh, Don't just assume that it is talk to your people. You've got to stay in touch with them and you've got to ask them, how do you feel about our culture? Well, how can we make it better? What can we do? Because your culture needs to be better than the next company's. Second is communication. You've got to communicate often and honestly with your team. You can't ask them a question or ask them how they feel about something and then get a, get a negative answer and then knee jerk to that. You've got to take the negative and you've got to fix it. You've got to find out why they feel that way. So you have to listen to their needs, both personally and professionally. One of the companies um, that I worked for in a remote capacity, uh, Zoom meetings, they wanted you to be on camera. And I am, if I'm not talking, if I'm not interacting, if I'm not laughing, I tend to have one of those faces that I might look like I'm mad, pissed off or mean. And that company (laughs) then, (laughs) that company then would always want to know, well, what's wrong with you? Well, there's nothing wrong with me. Well, now there is because you've asked me and they never really listened. They never, they just assumed something was wrong. So you can't assume your people are good. You can't assume your people are mad. You've got to listen to them and and find out what's going on in their lives and see what you can do to help. And you got to do that professionally as well. Find out what they like about their jobs. What don't they like? What do they really want to do? The third thing I think that is super important when you're building that remote team is investing in developing your team through professional development. And then you've got to reward them through promotions, responsibilities, and pay increases. Right now in the hiring market, we're telling our clients, you've got to do anything and everything you can do to attract clients. If you're building a remote team and you have a remote team, you've got to do everything in your power to keep your people as well. They want to learn. They want to grow. They want your business to grow. And they want to be rewarded by being promoted and by giving by being given more responsibility. And if you're not going to do that, you're going to lose the people you have. You've got to do those things to attract great talent, but you've got to do it to keep the good talent that you already have. All right. My last and final question, which you kind of already answered, but a little different take. Can you explain to us what not your average CEO means to both of you? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. To me, it means being a servant leader. I don't want to be a CEO that sits at the top and gives orders and, and delegates. I want to be that leader that works alongside my team, that listens to them, that gets in the trenches with them, that works side by side with them, that takes the hit when the hits come and that rewards them when the good times come. 
I also want to lead my team with integrity and by example. I don't want to give them a list of, hey, here are our core values and then me not follow them. So to me, being that not your average CEO really means being a servant leader. It's not only leading my team, but serving alongside with them. You know, Paige, I think part of what makes us unique as well is that we lead together as a partnership. And that partnership grew out of a, a friendship that's been going on for many, many years. So that foundation that we built on of, of our just a, just a friendship of just talking to one another and knowing each other very well has made our business partnership very strong. We each lead out of our own strengths, but we also we know where the pitfalls are for one another and we pick up the slack for each other. So once again, that's back to that servant leadership, serving one another, not just as partners, but as friends as well. It just makes us very unique. And we are so thankful that uh, we lead together. Yep. Yep. Agree a hundred percent. That's very lovely. I definitely relate about uh, staying in the trenches with your team. I think if you don't know what your team is experiencing, how are you supposed to lead them? How are you supposed to understand what they're experiencing, right? How can you help them grow if if you're not there understanding their frustration? So thank you for that piece of advice. I, I completely agree. Yeah, exactly. Thank you both so much for joining us today on our podcast. It has been a true pleasure. Yeah, it has been too. We really enjoyed chatting with you today. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thank you so very much. You've been listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Els, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. This podcast has been sponsored by Virtual Assist USA. If you would like to know more about the hosts, or exploring virtual assistant services, visit virtualassistusa.com for more information, free virtual guide magazines, access to networking groups, and much more.